Hello, everybody, and welcome to another podcast of Culture and Convictions. I am Iron Petrie, along with my co-host and better half, my wife. Hey, everybody. Star Petrie, and we are glad to invite you once again to our table for another uh, discussion where we are talking about all things in the culture and our convictions. Here on Culture and Convictions, we cover everything from politics to religion and everything else in between. And we talk about our convictions and our values and how to preserve our culture. So please take the time right now, if you have not already, to like and or subscribe to this channel so that you can get future notifications upon about further uh, podcasts that will be coming your way concerning the subject matter that we talk about here. So once again, you're welcome to the table. We thank you for joining us and uh let's get started you're all incognito today yeah in witness protection or what <laughs> what's really going somewhat, on folks it's somewhat like that yeah, <laughs> no, i just, just i just decided to throw a hat on just today I covering like, that head of just, yours just, i got just it roll with it i yeah. got it just 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 doing it well it's good to see you <laughs> i guess <laughs> um so we're gonna start off the show talking about chicago there's been a lot of stuff going on and we're, we're all very familiar with with the rioting and the looting and and all of the chaos, okay? But but one of the things I think is important is for people to truly see, I think, the um, the amount of of just the vacuum, I should say, of leadership that seems to be prevalent oh, yeah. across the country in so many liberal cities. And it's not to say that there aren't um, Republicans who don't make the best decisions either, right? There's there's plenty of people in governance that you're like, what are you doing? Oh yeah. Um, but I think also certainly we don't we don't spend enough time thinking about the the thing that can't be judged and that is that is humanity, right? That humanity will do things that you may have never thought or considered possible. And you know, going into a political office you might have a whole lot of ideas of what you think you can do and accomplish. But the reality yeah. is there are so many things arrayed against any type of, of policy decision that you might be putting forward, good or bad, um, that can completely, you know, overshadow anything, any of your maybe good intentions. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start with Lori Lightfoot. Been some, there's been some, some, uh, oh boy! <laughs> signs of hypocrisy that I think we need to talk about, and and, yeah. and we're we're familiar, right? When we, when we had the lockdowns, you know, we we heard those stories of politicians who were going out to dinner, um, who were going out and doing what they wanted to do while they were, you know, reminding the rest of us that in order to keep people safe, oh yeah, you must, mm -hmm. you have to. Mm -hmm. It's selfish not to. Oh boy! Right? We remember all of that, and she was one of them until I think her beautician took a picture of her getting her hair cut. And people are like, row, row. Oh, yeah. What are we doing? Yeah, but she's a public figure. You know, she's on television. And right. She's, yeah. Yeah. So I remember that whole argument. It's a little different for her. Well, you know, fast forward now to August, and, and we're back here talking about um, another situation where, where you know, her her citizenry, uh, her constituents might cry, cry foul, and, and that's having 100-some-odd officers dispatched to protect her home in the midst of rioting and pilfering and looting and shooting that, that she feels like, Hey, I'm not going to give any type of excuse. I'm not going to offer any type of reason as to why I feel this is important other than the safety of my family. That's preeminent yeah. for me. And it's funny that she feels that way. Cause I would think that most of us feel that way. Oh yeah. No doubt about it. And it's very, very well. And anyway, let's just let her speak for herself. Really. This is a different time like no other. 
And I'm not going to make any uh, excuses for the fact that the, given the threats that I personally receive, given the threats to my home and my family, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure um, that they um, are protected. And I, I make no apologies whatsoever for that. Wow. So she makes no apologies whatsoever for protecting her family. And I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm with you on that. I'm for her on that. I, I, I second that notion. But that's the thing. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Therein lies the, the rub. rub. <laughs> yeah. Therein lies Absolutely. the rub. Because, you know, what's good for you is good for everybody else. Um, and, and I would think that at some point, this uh, double standard that keeps getting openly expressed... Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's the, the time where you talked about earlier about going out and getting your hair done and whatnot during the middle of the, the height of the whole quarantine, uh, up to this, where for now, gosh, weeks, uh, these cities have been allowing people in the name or under the, the guise of peaceful protesting yeah. to go out and wreak havoc in these communities and in these cities and really, really doing significant, serious damage sure. to a lot of property and lives, sure. right? Absolutely. And so now that these protests, peaceful ones, right, are moving close to where she happens to live on her block, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden she wants to see dispatched and brought around her, all of these police officers. Now, from what I understand... Uh, we're, we're talking about not a few police officers. We're not talking about, you know, give me five or ten good men. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's nothing like that. No, give me, give me five or ten good men to kind of man the gate and just so my family is safe. But we're talking about, we're talking about a hundred yeah. police officers. He's got a company of officers that are coming to hold post and make sure that, that nothing goes unplanned at her location. At her location, right. Mm -hmm. And And so... To the very fact that she does this, it speaks to, number one, what we've all been saying from the beginning. Number one, these protests aren't peaceful. Check. Right? Check. <laughs> let's, let's, let's we got enough evidence for that. I don't think we have to go out on a limb. Yeah. I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're not, but, yeah. you know, it's like, nah. Okay. Yeah, let, let's, let's go ahead. Things don't burn in peace. Things aren't broken into in peace. Things no. aren't looted and stolen in peace. People aren't shot, uh, beat no, up. No, 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 you no. Know, that, the, the, that, that that's, not, that's not what happens. You did not see uh, Dr. King and those doing sit-ins and doing marches, walking through the streets with televisions under their arm. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's not what was held up as a paradigm for civil disobedience around the world. Yeah. Right? Okay, so, so check. These things aren't peaceful. Secondly, it speaks to the fact that if you're going to accrue such a, a battalion, <laughs> if you would, of officers around your home, your dwelling place, it speaks to the threat you think this, these protests actually uh, carry, right? Right. And if so, your response to that with how much you have accumulated these police around your place it then, is it not hypocritical? Of course it's hypocritical, but it speaks to also the fact that you know that this has to be met with overwhelming force. A presence has to be. It, it has to be. Yeah, you have right? to make a statement. Right, that, so, yeah. so all of that little posturing in the media when police were showing up and they were, they were under pressure to show restraint. 
right? When people were burning down things in other cities and in Chicago and other places all over the United States of America, then this was all just a big show. Because, see, now, if you truly believed in what you've been espousing, you would not, number one, have that many police officers around your home. And number two, you wouldn't have come out and said the things you said. You see, so so this is the this is the thing about leaders. This is yeah. the thing about tyranny. This is the thing about despots. And see, anybody looking at Lori Lightfoot would not see a tyrant. No. Right? And and once again, I'm not sitting here trying to uh, make an ad hominem personal attack against Lori Lightfoot, the mayor. I God bless her. I love her for who she is as a human being. But her actions speak of tyranny. Yeah. You don't have a double standard. For yourself versus the other, your people. And and conversely, we all know that there's a certain thing called limited supply, right? We only got so much, so many. No doubt and, about and it. And so if I take 100 plus officers and put them around my property, somewhere, somewhere around the city, Somebody's someone's not some being police. policed, okay? That, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly. just the reality of it. Exactly. Somewhere in the city, there's an area that's not being policed. And so those are things that we have to consider. And yes, you can say, well... I'm going to do whatever it takes to protect my family. But I can guarantee you, I mean, here, here's just my thought. If it's going to get that bad, uh, look, I got y'all to stay at the Marriott, <laughs> and I'm about to get y'all. Why not relocate? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get right. y'all on a flight. You're going to wear those masks, and, and we're going to get you somewhere safe. But, but that's leadership. If I felt like that was a real, you know, if there was a pending threat on my life or on my family's life. Yeah, and that, that's people-first leadership, though. You know, you're, you're going to relocate your people. You're going to do what you have to because I'm not going to take resources away from the people who voted me in office. Uh, absolutely. You see absolutely. what I mean? It's, 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 it's looking at the thing and making sure you're making decisions and choices that are leadership first, right? Yeah. Whereas this, it, it bespeaks of tyranny and despotism. And see, this is what people, I hope, are starting to wake up to see happening in these cities all over mm-hmm. the United States. And, and then, too, that just, you know, <coughs> at the end of the day, people, we're, we're, leadership is not what you do when everything is, is well, right? Leadership can't be necessarily valued or counted when everything mm-hmm. is good. It, That's it's, so true. It, it's, it's in the time of crisis that people figure out what level and, and measure of leader you really truly are. And I, and I think, you know, people miss their opportunities to stretch even beyond what they thought was, was their boundaries to really, truly take a stand for, for the people who voted them in and not offer a lot of excuses and reasons. And, you know, it sounds morally just to stand there and say, well, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to do it. Um, but then at the yeah. other, on, on the other hand, there are people who are sitting in West Chicago um, whose businesses have been burned, whose businesses have been pilfered and who are thinking I don't know if I can start over so I would have loved to have been able to stand up and make some type of morally superior argument for the actions that I could have taken to protect my business or to protect my family okay but I'm not in a position to do that I can't just call up the Chicago PD and say like give me a hundred of them you know what I mean? <laughs> like I can't order it up like that. So I have to. So I have to deal with the aftermath. And so you know, one of the reasons why I'm bringing this up is because I, I feel like sometimes people are, you know, we we look through through you know rose colored glasses um, when it comes to real life issues and these things that are going on. Believe me, I'm not saying that the decisions are easy, but I am saying that to the degree that you can, you know, that leadership is about being selfless. And it's about putting people first. And so, I, I, you know, while we've talked about peaceful protesters, peaceful protesters, you've heard very little 
about the common everyday citizen who owns the business or the, or the, the citizen who, who goes and, and actually shops in that business and says, hey, this is the closest thing I got. This Absolutely. is the closest grocery store. This is my closest, Absolutely. whatever it is, this is, this is what I have. Absolutely, man. And you know, and this, like I said, this has been, this has just been one of those things where I hope it's a wake up call for the voting public. That's all. That's my only prayer. That I hope it is a wake up call for the voting public to look through all of the rhetoric and the political theater and to really start asking yourself some questions about the people you're voting for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, you you have to and you have to ask yourself. And and here's the deal. I mean, it's just it's I keep saying this, but there really are. It's a tough decision because you don't know people. And even even now, especially now in this political age that we're in, you know, people are going to flatter with words. People are going to come and tell you all the things. We're going to sing Kumbaya. Oh boy. We're going we're gonna to hold hands. We're going to get on that mountaintop, and we're going to sing. And, but in reality, in reality, there's this thing called human nature that wants to pull down, tear down, take over, you know, take control of. And we, we're seeing that across the country as something that, that, that happened that was unfortunate in, in the death of George Floyd has now been used as the fuel and ammunition uh-huh. and the moral justification for people to go out and do all kinds of sinister acts. Yeah. And, and those things have just been, oh, okay, well, you know, they're, they're just trying to express themselves. <laughs> well, well if, if our leadership feels like that is a worthy expression, then what does that say about us as a country? Mm. Because there's nothing, there's, nothing, there's nothing worthy or valuable in going out and saying, you know what, I'm just going to be a complete anarchist today. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna take out windows. I wanna I wanna throw rocks and I wanna do everything that I can to disrupt. Yeah, it doesn't add anything. It uh, at all. It only what subtracts. Is, it what only have takes you gained? Away. Absolutely. No, it, it, it's it's destructive. It's subtracting, and uh, it's it's really sad though because it's it's a failure of leadership more than it is. Uh, you know, people have always done this throughout history. Sure. But it's sure. the failure of leadership that causes it to be expanded to the point in which innocent lives are being, um, some of them, some people aren't going to make it back. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this is serious business. Yeah. Financially, some people are going to be struggling for years to come because they've had businesses that they poured their lives into, burned to the ground, not because of people that were upset but because of a government that they voted for that sat by and watched it happen. Absolutely. I mean, when people are looting cell phone stores, when people are, are looting hair places, I mean, what is that about? Like, you just want you want to go in there and get that $10 pack of weave? I, I mean, you're, you're going to have to, like, explain why you feel as though that's a justifiable response to something when you consider the fact that you didn't know the man anyway. No. So anything that you put on is completely like you, you have to get in the mirror and manufacture that thing oh, because yeah. you don't know. Well, him. but it's, it's useful. You don't have yes, to know it. Absolutely. You, you know that it's useful. It's social. It's almost like a social line of credit mm-hmm. has been issued to you. So That's now right. you can go out and you can use that social line of credit and you can do th- those things. You can go out in the street and you can throw rocks through windows and break in and do all this other, other stuff on the level that you feel as though it's it's uh, retaliatory against this oppressive Western civilization yeah. 
yeah. and oppressive white hegemony and, this, and regime. This big boogeyman yeah, that keeps growing. You know, so, it just keeps growing. So it's what you do in response. And and you use that line of credit socially on the on the back of someone's sorrow and the loss of a man's life. And 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 you feel justified in that. It, it's a twisted psychology, it's a twisted way of thinking and, and looking at the world. Mm. But it's a reality. But once again I go back to the fact that people can be angry, people can be mad, people can be wrong-headed in their pursuit of justice. People can have outrage. Look, I'm, I'm all for people, you, be people. But when you are voted in the office, right, to protect, to serve, to, to keep safe, and you sit by and you watch this happen, I'm sorry. Yeah. You should be going for good, tarred and feathered, never yeah. introduced into public life ever again for the rest of your life. <laughs> that is criminal. We should just call a meeting so, and just like, we're going to recall you right it now. It is criminal. Mm-hmm. Serving as a mayor, as a city councilman, as a, a person in the police department, a police chief, whatever, you name it, all the way up to the highest seat in the land of the presidency. This is a public trust. <laughs> These are not careers. That's the problem, though. People can't, people can't make the right decision at the right time because they're thinking about a future decision and a future and a future career goal um, and they don't want this to impede it. So they're, you know, I just want to, what is it? Which yeah. way? Okay. Uh, okay, we're all going to say this? Okay, good. All right. Yeah. As long as we're all saying the same thing, I don't have to step out and, you know, I don't have to be different. And what's so uh, telling, what's the, the hypocrisy that, 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 you know, it's like, it's like in the Bible when, 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 uh, the prophet confronts uh, King Saul about whether or not he obeyed God, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether he took all the sheep and, and, and killed them like God told him, and he doesn't take them, and he's, he's hit them back there. And the prophet is like, did you do what God said? And he says, yes, I did. He said, well, then what <laughs> are those sheep? The sheep? You know, <laughs> yeah, it's like, what are those sheep? On, and, and this is the bleeding of sheep. When you see Lori Lightfoot do something like this, yeah. it's evidence. Well, then you know how to respond. Mm-hmm. You know what to do. You mm-hmm. know what you should have been doing. You if you can like gather you up a hundred good men around your house, absolutely, right, you and on exactly your block, what to do. you know exactly what to do for the people of Chicago, so that they would not be going through this nightmare that they're dealing with right now. And let's just very quickly plug this in: that that here's this this entire idea and ideology that's being spewed about that the that the problem is with the systems, but systems are made of people. Okay. So, so if you Say have that again for the people in the back, systems are comprised of people. People, those people make terrible decisions from terrible places with terrible motives because they're only thinking about themselves. And it's not the system. It's not the system. Sometimes the structure, the system, the setup is Absolutely. very good. Absolutely. It's the way the people within those structures and systems choose to make decisions. There's no doubt based about on that. selfishness, hubris, pride, narcissism sexism and every other ism every you can other imagine. ism that's going to protect them and there are more <laughs> isms that pervert and corrupt than racism mm-hmm. there are a whole lot of isms mm-hmm. and sometimes these isms come to play and uh and I'm, I'm telling you i just i want there to be an awakening in the american voting public talk about it i, I just that, that if there is a prayer i have it is not for like we talked about in the last podcast you know, getting rid of all the bad people. Mm-hmm. It's not the bad people. It's the political climate of opinion 
It's the education of the electorate. It's people thinking with reason through matters, actually doing the due diligence to say, oh, I have the privilege to vote. What an (laughs) honor. Well, what should I do with that honor and that privilege? I should make sure that when I vote, my vote is wise. Mm -hmm. I should make sure that when I vote, I vote for my own freedom. I should make sure that when I vote, I vote for my own safety, my own law and order in my own country, my own city, my own state, right? Right. And I should do my due diligence to learn how to equip myself to be a responsible voter, mm-hmm. right? Because this is an honor and a privilege. And so I just, I want there to be that awakening. And if, and if, if that can come out of this, I won't say all this suffering will be worth it. God knows not, not. But I would say, well, thank God moving forward, maybe we can avoid some of these things in the future by holding people accountable. Yeah, and I, you know, I agree with that. And I think one of the big things is you were talking about all the isms. And I think the biggest ism is skepticism. I think that is what, because skepticism is born out of, out of fear, right? Yeah. We, have, we have a fear That's true. about the world around That's us. That's very true. And when systems start to shake and, and people start just making poor decisions and you feel like, then people just, you know, they start clinging to whatever they can to, keep, to stay afloat. That's and people true. don't care. People are thinking, well, I want something for myself. Now, who's talking about getting me something? Because <laughs> the rest of y'all fools are getting stuff. I mean, y'all looting, pillaging, taking stuff out of stores, uh, you know, I want to make sure that I'm going to be okay too. Yeah. And I think sometimes it, it, it moves us out of really thinking critically about anything. We just want to hear somebody say something that, okay, they, they, they see us, they're going to give us something, they want to help us. But yeah. we're going we're gonna to keep talking about uh, Mayor Lightfoot because I think this is an important conversation. And, and like I said, it's not because she is the worst mayor in America. I haven't put that poll together. I don't no. know. Um, but it is to say that there are some things that we could certainly stand to look at and, and talk oh, yeah. about. There's a lot to glean from you. In, in, <laughs> in reference to how she's leading her city. So I want to read a couple of stats before we play the next video. Um, this is out of the Chicago Tribune. It says at least 107 people were killed in July and more than double the same month last year, according to data that's kept by the Chicago Tribune. That's the most homicides the city has seen since in a single month since uh, September of 1992. Most of the people died from gunshot wounds, but at least six people died from stabbings, three from strangulation, two from child abuse, two from assault. Uh, and this is all according to their Cook County Medical Examiner's Office. At least 570 people were shot during the month and 250 more than July of last year. So you're seeing chaos, right? And I want you to listen. She's going to get asked a question. She's on MSNBC. She's going to get asked a, a very you know, poignant question. And I want you to listen to how she answers the question. As we just played, um, what do you say to him when Americans look at pictures of Chicago stores being looted still all these months later? What are you doing in your city to restore order and to stop some of the chaos that we've all seen on TV? Well, luckily, it's it's minimal. Um, But yes, we do absolutely have our challenges. We have people who are afraid and scared because of COVID-19. We now have literally tens of thousands of people who are unemployed because of the economic downturn occasioned by the shutdowns that were necessary because of the president's failed leadership on COVID-19. And we're dealing with the reckoning across Chicago, as in many cities across the country, uh, related to systemic racism. So we are on the front line of an incredible moment 
uh, in our civic history, not only in Chicago, but across the country. And I have to say, the remark about the bridges, one of the bridges we put up is near Trump Tower, because our protesters and vigilantes would love nothing more than to attack Trump Tower. So those little notes that I get from Eric Trump after every time that we protected that property, if they want us to stop, say the word. So, Mayor Lightfoot, what about the gun violence in your city? It continues another terrible weekend. Just yesterday, a 13- and a 14-year-old uh, were shot. They're in critical condition. A 9-year-old suffered a graze wound to his head. We've heard for now years and years and years about guns coming in from Indiana. We know the gang problem is bad there. I guess the question is, if we've known all these things and they continue to persist, why haven't leaders like yourself done more to stop it? Why does it continue in Chicago? Well, look, we can't stop things that happen outside of our borders. Sixty percent of the illegal guns that come into Chicago every year are from out of state, from Indiana, from Mississippi, from other states that have lax gun laws. When my people can go over the border to Indiana and buy military-grade weapons and bring them back in any quantity that they want, as long as they, their money is right, that's a problem. That's a problem that we need federal leadership on. Every mayor that I know has worked hard, and I'm no different, to bring peace to our neighborhoods. But as long as we have this proliferation of uh, illegal guns that's pouring in from outside of our borders, we are going to continue to fight an uphill battle. There are things that the federal government is uniquely qualified to do, to partner with us to stop this scourge of gun violence. This president refuses to engage on those basic issues. It's still a problem when somebody who can't fly in a plane can get a gun. It's still a problem when we don't have universal background checks, where we haven't closed a gun show loophole, and we don't empower the ATF to go after uh, federal licensed gun dealers who sell to straw purchasers. Those aren't things that a mayor or a local government or even state government can contend with. We need the federal government to step up. We're doing our part. And actually, Willie, we've made very good progress over the last month in bringing down the numbers of shootings and homicides. It's not good enough, and I'm never going to rest until we're the safest big city. But a lot of that also depends on making sure that we have partnerships at the federal level to pass the kind of common sense gun control laws that we all know will make a difference in safe lives and save children's lives. Interesting, right? Because Chicago has some of the toughest gun control laws on the books. Yeah. So, you know, I want, again, I, you know, we opened up with, with this conversation or with, with her clip um, talking about, listen to how she answers the question. So the question is pointedly about the gun violence that's been just completely out of control in Chicago all year. Um, I think over a dozen kids have been shot in Chicago this year. Um, and now all of that is not, uh, again, I mean, yes, we could talk about parenting, we could talk about gang violence, we could talk about all of those things. But the question was, Mayor, what are you doing or what are you putting into action to try to deal with and solve this problem? And immediately we start talking about COVID, we start talking about how the federal government needs to help, how they're uniquely qualified. Well, the federal government can be uniquely qualified for a lot of things, but what are they constitutionally allowed to do? Yeah. And what do we want them to do? Because at the end of the day, if the president of the United States and those in Congress are going to be the ones appointed to manage these cities, then why are we paying you, Ms. Mayor? 
<laughs> I mean, seriously, we could get rid of, you talk about getting rid of some people. Yeah. We could cut out a lot of middlemen, but that's not the way the framers and the, and the founders had wanted it to be. The whole idea is that every little county, every little city could in and of itself build the community that they seek to build and have, mm-hmm. right? To protect their own personal property because yeah. it matters to you. Yeah. It's not going to matter to someone 10, 15 echelons up the ladder what happens down at your home and, and your address. So, so now we want to abdicate all that. And now we simply, well, we just need the federal government to step in and do something. So much for that division of power. Uh, we don't even want it anymore because <laughs> right now it's not yeah. convenient. Yeah, it's, no, it's not. It's now, not convenient. Now we need, we need all the hands on deck. We, mm-hmm. we, want you, we want your hands when we need them, and then we want to slap them and say, get back up there when we don't. Absolutely. You know? But once Absolutely. again, it's, oh, man, it, it, just, it just keeps getting deeper and deeper because, uh, like you said, the things that have been going on in Chicago have been going on for quite some time. But my thing is, once again, when do we get to the place where the people in Chicago, uh, you know, and I, I don't, I don't know that, I don't know how their elections go in Illinois, in the state of Illinois, and in Chicago specifically. I don't know, I don't know the level of, uh, dare I say, corruption. Uh, I don't know the level of political games that are played there. You, you, you just never know. But I would think it is high time for the people of Chicago to make a demand for better for themselves. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, Chicago is a beautiful city. It's a great city. Uh, I've heard so many good things about Chicago and so many horrible and horrific things about Chicago. Mm -hmm. I've heard about its division from actual Chicago natives, people who were raised there, lived there. They didn't just pass through and visit. Who talk about the division in Chicago racially, is segregated, the way the city... Uh, it's kind of laid out in the way it feels. Um, it, it's it's just really it's time for a, a transformation for real because th- this type of leadership, once again, this type of leadership is the type of leadership that is not people first. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with people. It's almost as though, um, first of all, she's a woman. She is a a lesbian woman. She's married to a, a woman. She's she is the postmodern symbol for diversity and leadership. Oh, she she brings all of She's this checking so many boxes. Oh, she brings all of these yeah. social justice um, trap you dressing to the to the platform. But uh, you can't vote on symbolism Mm-mm. and get substance, <laughs> right? At some point. Absolutely. At some point, voting for the particular ideology or idea that's in vogue, like diversity or, or, or even, even inclusion of women and gays and all this stuff, I'm for everybody, right? But when we begin to take leadership and say we're going to vote on the basis of these very superficial things that really do not speak to the quality of leadership you're going to be getting right you're getting a symbol right you're getting a character Mm -hmm. you're getting a representation a mascot of a movement or an idea you're not looking beyond that into what are the actual qualities of the what do they believe how do they respond to trouble? Mm-hmm. What are they going to do economically? What is their plan, their ideas? What, what, there is nothing ever asked for, right? Is, if all the social justice boxes are, are checked, 
Nobody asks any further like, questions. Good. I feel good about Everybody's this. Everybody's good. Oh, she's a woman. She's oh, she's great. a black woman. Oh, she's gay. Oh, he's this or he's that. Or, and, and everybody's cool with that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's like mixing and matching people yes. based on superficial criteria. Absolutely. When leadership requires so much more mm-hmm. than you looking the part <laughs> <laughs> to make us feel progressive. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes. And it doesn't matter until there's a COVID-19. It doesn't matter until people are in the streets rioting and looting. It doesn't matter until things start spreading beyond the norm and the the uh, the 3 a.m. phone call actually comes. You're no longer talking about it on the platform. You're no longer running on it. What is he going to do when he gets the 3 a.m. phone call? Can he handle the 3 a.m. phone call? Everybody's talking about the 3 a.m. phone. Well, the phone is ringing. Right. In yeah. other words, this that is the being best re- dress rehearsal these people have yeah. ever had. That three M phone call <laughs> being representative of a crisis or an issue that arises that sure. requires skill as a leader to navigate through. And what I mean by that, when I say dress rehearsal, I mean you know at the mayoral level, if I can show some level of, okay, I got this. You know what I mean? I got some. I have some gumption. I can. I can think on my feet. I can. I can make some tough choices, some yeah. tough calls in the in the midst of of some really dire circumstances, and still have a couple of echelons of leadership to support me. I have the governor's office. Yeah. I have, you know what I mean? I have I have the federal government. So I have some covering. I'm not just the only person that has to necessarily make the decision. Yeah. But I can step out there and know that I can get some support. Sure. So the fact that you would sit back and, and be found wanting is kind of, it's interesting. And and so um, we're going to play this last clip on, on Lori Lightfoot. And this is actually a, a rewind to 2019 um, during the mayoral race. Oh, yeah, this one's good. And this is an interesting. It's short, but it's, it's very good. Yeah, this is interesting. <laughs> President Prankle says that change is difficult. It's not difficult if you have resolve. And it's not difficult if you're not part of the broken and corrupt political machine. And the idea that you would suggest that change is easy that change is easy. It's just a manifestation of how little you understand about how government works. So, <laughs> you talk about short, sweet, and powerful, man. That that clip right there tells you everything. everything. Tells you everything. Because see, we have we have we have boiled our politics down now to folks just being able to give little taglines. Yes. You know what I mean? Like the yes. reason the reason why the reason why you say that government that oh. that, that managing or or, or being mayor is is <laughs> difficult is because you're just part of that old governmental system. Um yeah, no, I'm saying that because it very much so is difficult. It's not something that you just I mean if everybody could do it, it would already have been done. But the fact yeah. is that there are things arrayed against you that you probably haven't even thought of. Or considered. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I just thought that was very interesting. And it says something about Chicago, that they would sit there and, and watch that. She won. And watch that. <laughs> because, like I said, we like the taglines. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's not hard. It's not hard. No, she it won. is hard. And that's okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's hard. That's that's. Well, yeah, you, but you know what? what? You know what? And I, I've heard people talk about this. And, and, and we've talked about this sometimes. And, and I was reading. I think I was reading something, uh, an article of Thomas Sowell, and he kind of mentioned it. He was writing about something else, but he mentioned it in his writing. This fascination that we seem to have, this ongoing fascination with when it comes to politics and politicians and their campaigns, with short, uh, big or small, uh, you know, whatever, yeah. with change. The word change. It's like people can stand up and say, we need change. And people will sit there like Pavlov's dog. <laughs> 
and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I mean, he's me talking about change. He's talking about changing and changing, and she's talking about change. We need to change and change, change. <laughs> and it's like it's a magic change word that people can stand up and say change, and nobody ever go, excuse me, um, to what degree, <laughs> at what cost. Mm-hmm. In the change, what will be changed and what will remain? Because mm-hmm. certainly we can't change without everything. <laughs> yeah, right. and we can't change without change, but we can't change everything. Right. Right. And do we really want to change what needs to be changed? Because when it comes to promoting the idea of changing anything, the devil is always in the details. Uh, I like to say it this way. Are we changing the costumes and the characters mm-hmm. or are we changing the script? Those are two different degrees of change. And a lot of times, and, and, and she stands up, and, and, and I thought about it when she was talking. She was talking about, well, you know, change isn't, isn't hard. It's only hard if you're, you're a person who's a part of that corrupt political system and so forth. And so in other words, you're... Hey, girl, you're, please. You're, and, and she just <laughs> smacked her down with so much reason. I know. Yeah. And so much common sense that no, no, the reason she thinks change is easy is because she, she just doesn't it have shows any experience. You, that you don't know. You don't you know how don't government know. works. Mm-hmm. You don't know how any of this works. And she was saying, she was telling the truth. She but was also, adding some sobriety. It also plays to the idea that that we like to get behind a man or woman. Just like you were yeah. saying, we like the idea of supporting yeah. the, the perfect candidate. These and symbols. This, absolutely. And this perfect candidate, I mean, she checks all of my boxes, and then she says something like that. Like, yeah, it's, it is easy. Yeah. I mean, duh. Yeah. And, and it just takes the right person to get in there and make this happen. And, and now we have that person. No, no, and no. It, that's just not the reality. But, you know, God bless you, Chicago. They're, I mean, you know, I'm sure you look back on it and you think, I don't know, man. I probably should have went with the person who who provided a more a more sober analysis of what could and could not be done. Right? That's she right. she wasn't sitting there telling you, oh, "I'm gonna I'm gonna raise Lazarus. I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up all the dead bodies on the west side. I'm gonna bring them all back to life." I'm not offering you that. I'm telling yeah. you that it's hard. Change is hard. Change is hard. Yeah. If you've ever tried to change yourself and change an aspect of your own self. You know change. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Change is not easy. And once again, to be for or against change in the generic is just immature. It is. It's always about to what degree, what cost. Get into the details of change. You can't just say change. And be, you know, and people look at it like you waved a magic wand. People. Change what? Talk to me about details. Because, see, what you'll do is you'll scream change and we'll go, yeah, change. And then when you get in the office, you'll sit there and have a meeting about change that you've never even thought about, right? You, you just use the, the word as magic. Stuff up. You're just making crap just up, making right? Stuff up. And then when you get in the office, you know, we got to pass the bill to see what's in it. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? This, this, this idea that you, you pull the wool over people's eyes with all of this verbal virtuosity, mm-hmm. right? And then once you're in office, then it's like, you know, it's like the Jeopardy music is playing, and you're figuring out, okay, okay, now what, 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 what are we gonna do? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because you know, we gotta do something though about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like no, no, oh, man. this, but it's because we don't, and that's why I keep going back to the same thing. And I don't care if I sound redundant about the waking up of the American electorate requiring more out of people, 
when they're running. Explain yourself. Mm-hmm. Give me detail. Mm-hmm. You know, give me, give me the devils in the details because I, I've lived long enough to know, right, that change isn't easy. It's going to be hard. And I've lived long enough to know that every time somebody starts spreading their hopes and dreams in the street, many times the actions that follow are incongruent <laughs> with, their, with their campaign <laughs> slogans. So I need you <laughs> to start telling me really what's going on Absolutely. and really demanding more. And Absolutely. I just thought that that little exchange between those two, what was her name, Miss Preckwinkle? Now, I don't know what Miss Preckwinkle would have done. I don't know how she, I don't, I don't know whether Miss Preckwinkle would have been any better. I don't know whether she would. I don't know if she would have been any worse. I don't know if she would have been any worse, right? At this point. You know, I don't know what would have happened for her, and I'm not speaking for the people of Chicago. We need temporary promotions into these positions. That's what I think. I think we should temporarily promote people. Yeah, we'll, we'll let like, you try it out. Yeah, we'll give you mayor. You got probation. Yeah, you got six One months. Year. There yeah, you six go. Months, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to see what you do with it. Yeah. And then if we don't like you, we're yanking it. Like clock's ticking. Uh, you get your boxes out the house. <laughs> like, we're moving everything out. This is over. This is this is done. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. <laughs> but I don't know what she would have done. But her answer was far more digestible and far more realistic than what Miss Lightfoot was saying. And I, and I was thinking, if you're listening, that should have tipped you off. That perhaps this is a person who might need to kind of go back and take another dip. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Before we christen them to be mayor over our city. Mm-hmm. But, of course, that brings us to the centerpiece of our time right now, which is <laughs> the, the run-up to the election. Mm-hmm. While we've got just some more time, a little time left on our, our podcast here, we want to devote some time to this. Uh, and we've just finished the Democratic National Convention, very unique, unprecedented, virtual, socially distanced, all of those kinds of things, really odd and weird time we're in. Mm-hmm. I will admit that for either side and Absolutely. anybody. No, just a just very weird. strange time. They don't have the energy of the people in the room. They don't have the same. So it's, it's, it's very difficult and very different. But the DNC, even in the midst of these unique times, they kind of showed us really what they're about and didn't show us nothing at the same time. I, I just have to say it like I feel it, right? <laughs> That's just the way I believe. Because... I was, you're always looking for the candidate to come out and for the candidate to say, okay, what do you give me to vote for? Yeah, at least give me a skeleton policy. It doesn't have to be all details, yeah. but it can be, here are some four, four, four or five points that I yeah. want to you know, make since sure. Since I'm that, voting, absolutely, I should have something to vote for. And I should not, as a, as a, a, a committee, as a, a party, Assume that everyone in the electorate is going to be voting against Donald Trump. <laughs> and if we, if, we, if, we, if we push hard about what a horrible human being horrible, he is. Just terrible. And terrible. what a terrible person he is. If Absolutely. we push hard enough on that point, then that will be enough to where they won't ask us mm-hmm. what we should be voting for. Yeah, we don't even care for. I mean, we're just we just want him out. I mean, at this point, I think some people would just be like, "I'll take the baboon in the back." Oh, you know, let's. let's. <laughs> I mean, you know, I heard he could paint. Yeah. I will take him. I mean, it, but that seems to be what the DNC was about. They really went hard in on Trump evil, 
and he has to go. So can we play these clips in like a succession or are we going to break them up? And I'm asking this for the people's sake. Should we just play them all? I think we're going to play them back to back. Let's play them all. Let's let them hear in succession. Just a cascade of... Some of the the, the people that were talking and, and, and it was... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why can't folks imagine a world without the cops? Why can't folks imagine a world um, without prisons? Why can't people expand their c- imaginations to include community care, to include an abolitionist future? Um, and I'm talking about like for real, for real abolition, not just watered down DNC version of abolition. Um, we're talking about abolishing the police. We're talking about abolishing ICE. We're talking about abolishing prisons. You don't need me to tell you things are a mess. Donald Trump is destroying our country and everything we care about. We need leaders who will solve problems like climate change and COVID, not deny them. Leaders who will fight against systemic racism and inequality. And that starts by voting for someone who understands how much is at stake. Someone who's building a team that shares our values. It starts with voting against Donald Trump and for Joe Biden. Silence is not an option and we cannot sit this one out. We all have to vote like our lives and the world depend on it because they do. The only way to be certain of the future is to make it ourselves. We're gonna have a panel uh, looking at trans youth issues. Um, uh, We've been watching state legislatures, especially here in the South, uh, targeting uh, trans youth uh, for uh, trying to deny them access to healthcare, uh, education, and, and even access to the right to play sports, although, needless to say, um, the mishandling of the coronavirus by the current administration is affecting a lot of people's ability to play sports. But they've been particularly transphobic in schools. Okay, well, you know, <laughs> I, I think that was Billie Eilish. She did give me, so, she give me something to vote for. What's that? Joe Biden. Okay. So she actually told me something I already knew. That That's what this option. whole thing is about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this whole event is about you voting for Joe Biden. Yeah. Check. Check. Got it. So Yeah. But now, yeah. as it pertains to what I should vote for, any type of coherent communication of a policy mm-hmm. and a platform. Well, I kind of know the DNC's platform. I, I'm, I'm kind of familiar with it now, although it keeps sliding further to the left. So you have to kind of keep up with the slide. But... You kind of know what you're gonna get. Um, <laughs> they, 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 and it doesn't stop there because we we've got some others here, but they're all in on Donald Trump is evil. Mm-hmm. He's bad. Mm-hmm. He's life threatening. Uh, we got to vote like our life depends on it because our life really does depend on it. Public enemy number one. Yeah, and and so, um, yeah. Well, you know, I just thought it was interesting that that you said what what did you give me to vote for? And I think they gave you plenty beyond Joe Biden because they said you know really? we want to defund police. We want to get rid of ICE. I ain't voting for that. Um, <laughs> um, you ain't gave me nothing to vote for. We, 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 wanna, we want tr- transsexual youth to participate in, in sports. So for those dads who love to go and watch their daughters run track, just get over the fact that that's a, that's a man, that's, that's a boy in lane six. <laughs> and Jeez. just, you know, enjoy, enjoy the, uh, the activities. There's a real... 
the fact that they would slide that in, you know, I think is is most interesting, right? Because that's not coming from the the candidates themselves. That's coming from a coalition of of voices that they've kind of paired together over four or five days to kind of entertain people. But that stuff is very much real, and it's very much a part of what pushes that party forward. Yeah, but how, and see, here's the thing about them, because they always talk about uh, being inclusive. How inclusive is any of that? Oh, it's not. But the whole point is that we're going to reimagine that, that, that. Don't you know? Don't forget this. You know, and Kamala Harris said this. You know, last podcast. It's about reimagining. You know how the police are supposed to be done. Reimagining what a border is supposed to look like. I guess it no longer but, going but, but to be no, a border. See, see, what I'm talking about here is this whole idea of being inclusive and involving everybody and including everybody and a big tent of diversity and and so forth and so on. But they do, but you can't be white and male. That's that, I mean, really, if we boil it down to to brass tacks, we're saying the exclusion is on anyone who is white and male. Or black and conservative. Or black and conservative. Or any any race and conservative. Or, yeah, anybody and conservative. And, and and, And what I'm saying is all of those issues are very highly specific to a certain demographic of people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. within American society. Sure. But it does not, it is not inclusive of the general American public. You know what I'm saying? Like, you haven't said anything to me about the economy. The people who pay bills, pay taxes. You're not talking to me about taxation. Mm-mm. You're not talking to, me, uh, talking to me about my overall safety as it pertains to living in a world in which there is an ever-expanding communist Chinese party and (laughs) presence and power and they're very serious it's not a game Mm -mm. right we're we're not talking about still the threat of terrorism for that very reason terrorism that can be on other fronts and in different ways we're 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 not talking about the education of our children you're not talking you're talking to me about things that are highly specifically aimed at particular demographics within the country you're not talking about the country you're talking about that fringe element who's talking about defunding the police. Most people with bat sense do not even agree with anything like that. Yeah, right? but they have to you, pull that direction because they realize that the rest of us who are you know, normal human beings <laughs> aren't going to be voting that way. So I, I've yeah. got to try to plant my flag somewhere. I'm just trying to say. What are you saying? I'm trying to say. What are you saying, babe? Oh, how inclusive is the party of inclusion? Well, we know they're not. I mean, they're the party of... of of identity politics. You can't, you're not going to be inclusive trying to run off of, like we said, all of those demographics that you think are, are so um, appreciable at the moment. Because really at the moment, and, uh, Kamala Harris can be black when we all know she's not. And, and, and so then, <laughs> so and we so just then. make stuff up. <laughs> We're just making stuff up. Oh my gosh. And so she's then, not. And so then, okay, okay. And so then, are they running for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to be president and vice president of the United States of America, or are they running for them to preside over a version of America that they would like to see? You see what I mean? The The latter. Totally the latter. That's what I'm getting to with all of my, you know, there, these people are not here. They're like, they're not present. They're in an abstract world running an abstract race for an abstract America. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're not both feet on the ground. Yeah. 
They're just not. And it's it is and I'm telling you, people don't want to call it for what it is, but it is the height and epitome of narcissism. Self-centered, self-interested, self-exalting, self-aggrandizing, self-interested people. Well, you haven't heard anything, you know, yet. Let's hear from Michelle Obama and let's hear from Hillary Clinton because I think these are interesting as well. Because whenever we look to this White House for some leadership or consolation or any semblance of steadiness, what we get instead is chaos, division, and a total and utter lack of empathy. Right now, kids in this country are seeing what happens when we stop requiring empathy of one another. They're looking around wondering if we've been lying to them this whole time about who we are and what we truly value. They see people shouting in grocery stores, unwilling to wear a mask to keep us all safe. They see people calling the police on folks minding their own business just because of the color of their skin. They see an entitlement that says only certain people belong here. That greed is good and winning is everything because as long as you come out on top, it doesn't matter what happens to everyone else. And they see what happens when that lack of empathy is ginned up into outright disdain They see our leaders labeling fellow citizens enemies of the state while emboldening torch-bearing white supremacists. They watch in horror as children are torn from their families and thrown into cages and pepper spray and rubber bullets are used on peaceful protesters for a photo op. This can't be another woulda, coulda, shoulda election. If you vote by mail, request your ballot now and send it back right away. If you vote in person, do it early. Become a poll worker. Most of all, no matter what, vote. Man. <laughs> I, and I'm, I'm going to say something here. And uh, I am, I'm not trying to be a judge. <laughs> but when, she, when Hillary Clinton says, this can't be another coulda, shoulda, woulda election, I just felt a tinge, a tinge of bitterness. No. I did. No way. I did. Not from her. And I'm I'm not trying to be judgmental, but at the end of the day, it is what I felt. When I heard it, I was like, boy, that sounds like 2016 all over again. Like you, you bunch suck, of, Donald Trump. <laughs> you bunch of, you bunch of coulda, shoulda, like woulda, so shoulda, just you didn't you like sit so there mad. and, and just. Mad. I mean, because I mean, we remember in 2016 people crying in the streets and pulling their hair out and sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Oh, it was and bad. It was rubbing bad. their sores with. If you want to laugh, pottery. you need to go back and watch those videos on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I crack up even today. It I is. Do. It is like I. I just. Wow! It was the beginning of an unraveling, and 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 really and truly, this is why you can have issues with President Trump because nobody is beyond critique or or, or proper critique and scrutiny. Uh, you can have issues with temperament. You can have issues with uh, overall brashness, overall uh, demeanor, you know, deportment. How why would those be the sticking so points? And so forth and so on. Et cetera, et cetera. You can, you can have either. those issues. And you can, you can have cringeworthy moments with tweets and in press conferences and confrontations with the press and, the, and so forth and so on. And I get it. We've all kind of been there like, oh, ouch. Oh, whoa, come on. Hey. <laughs> you know, we've all been there. <laughs> but if we're honest... 
if we're honest, if, if people are honest, ever since that little meeting in that room with the glass ceiling did not get shattered symbolically, and ever since that night when somber and woe fell across a large portion of the United States of America that wanted Hillary Clinton to win, the press, which is largely liberal, uh, uh, Hollywood, which is almost predominantly liberal, the political elite within the Beltway, those in Washington who are liberal and those who are even on the Republican side who really are just liberal, they have been having a four-year-long tantrum. And it has been one of the ugliest stretches of political childishness that I have ever seen in my life. I'm just And I haven't lived as long as some, mm -hmm. but I am an adult, fully grown adult, right? And I've been watching these things for a number of years now, been a part of these things, reading, researching, astutely covering and, you know, this has been a mess. And so you can pick at the president, but you can't say the environment of division and so forth that the former First Lady Michelle Obama talks about is kind of laid at the feet of Donald Trump. And, and all of this, this vitriol and this, this environment and atmosphere has been created by President Trump. I push back on that notion. I, don't, I say no, it hasn't. This has been created ever since... He won the election by the left. And they just so happen to be dealing with a president who does not sit around and let you swing at him and he not swing back. He's not a politician. He's not polished. He's not groomed to be political. He's not a punk. He, he's not. He's just a, not. He's, well, he's not going to sit back and wilt because you that. say he's not nice. He's not. And he, thank God for somebody who finally says, I don't have to be nice if I'm right. But see, here's the thing. <laughs> I here's can just the be thing. honest. That's right. But here's the thing that people miss about that in his temperament and demeanor. This is a man that came up as a real estate mogul, regardless of what he received from his father. This is a man that came up in a very, very hyper and highly competitive market in New York and in Manhattan. This man has had to do this. He's probably interfaced with more people that are like him and worse in many ways, both in politics and in the business world. So he has developed a thick skin over the years yeah. to where he really just doesn't care. And now you couple that thick skin from his, his acculturation in life with older age. <laughs> You get a person who really just doesn't really care what you care. think. You can call him a racist, and he goes, eh, and he keeps on going because he doesn't really care. Those, those types I've of, got a lifetime of, uh, of, of evidence you could, you to could, the contrary. Why would I care? Anything. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? It's like, it's like no. you, could, you could pick any moment in my life to fillet me open and call uh, me that. Absolutely. And, and, and find some proof and back it up. And anything you want to call him, right? And, and he just doesn't care. And that has been the thorn in the flesh mm -hmm. to the political left and the far left. And they, 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 they can't stand it. Can and, I just, and they've created some of this environment. Can I just say that I'm, I'm, I want whoever you are out there and wherever you are, if you can find me some torch-bearing white supremacists, then please yeah. send me those pictures. Because I, you know, I guess she's talking about the tiki torches in in Charlottesville. I don't know what think, she's I talking guess that's what about. She's alluding to. At the end of the day, I see Antifa. Uh, I see them. 
Yeah. So if, if we're going to talk about people causing all kinds of, you know, disarray and, and disturbance, amazing? then let's talk about the folks that are in Portland yelling at people in, in the middle of the night, wake, wake up. up. Yeah. I mean. Big old spotlights making noise. Are you kidding? And I told you this and I mean it. People should go out there and get them some BB guns and and have a good time, have a have a right just old time. Shooting, the, you know, just start. What is it? Ducks at a barrel. Popping people. <laughs> just let it come out of nowhere. And if we all do it, they don't know who did it. We're just oh we're God. all out there. Just she wants a war. No, I don't a want a war. I want people. I want people to feel emboldened to stand up for what is right. I hear you. And what is true. I hear you. Right. So yeah. don't come in my neighborhood with that stuff. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I pay taxes here. Are you kidding? Yeah. Telling yeah. me to wake up. You don't have a job, have a board which is why, which is why you're out yeah. here at one o'clock in the morning. Exactly. The rest of us have to get up and go somewhere in the morning. We have to do something. Right. We're not lazy, yeah. lazy We're folks sitting on the, to on the sideline. We're actually paying for the street that you are strolling on. But I, you know, I want to, before we end this podcast, because this kind of stuff just bothers me, I want to hit real quickly on the empathy situation that, you know, because cause you, if you go back and you watch the videos from the DNC, they play in a lot of the empathy things, right? Oh, yeah. It's about how Joe Biden lost his first wife, about how he lost his son, Bo. It's about, it's about loss and how Kamala lost her mother. And, you know, all of that is, is real. And, and, and we can all have a level of empathy. And for some people, sympathy in reference to what went on. Loss is, is a part of the human condition. We yes. all we all experience it. Sure. Um, but the issue is you can't sell me on voting for you and giving you the keys to the to the greatest country on the planet based on me feeling sorry for you. Like that is not an even trade. Like I can send you some flowers and a get well soon card, yeah. but giving you the the helm of this country is not an even trade. You're going to have to offer me something better than that. And that means providing some amount of of security to me and my family. Why didn't they mention China? I mean, if you go back for four days, I mean, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you don't see no evil, hear no evil. Uh, We've got to start talking about some real issues. And I I hope the I hope the RNC takes an opportunity to really talk about it, because these things must be said and calling spades a spade. People who are out there causing this kind of kind of disarray in these communities are not peaceful just period and stop trying to turn a phrase and make something that 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 isn't something that you want it to be because it's it's just not that it's just not but i want to read something from dr thomas soul that i thought was man this is ah, this is what we need to hear he always is he always is yeah but this is out of his book the vision of the anointed and you need to get this book too i keep telling y'all about these books can i get this book too um one reason for the preservation and insulation of a vision is that it has become inextricably uh intertwined with the egos of those who believe it right so this vision of donald trump being the baddest the the worst has a lot to do with their own ego Mm. right because he's shown a lot of people what leadership looks like Ooh, and that makes it very clear that i wasn't leading So despite uh, Hamlet's warning against self-flattery, the vision of the anointed is not simply a vision of the world and its functioning in a a causal sense, but is also a vision of themselves and of their moral role in the world. It's a vision of differential rectitude. It's not a vision of the tragedy of the human condition. Problems exist because others are not as wise or as virtuous as the anointed. Right. That goes back to this whole empathy thing. Right. We give empathy. Donald Trump is just, you know, he's just over there judging people. 
He says, the great ideological crusades of the 20th century, intellectuals have ranged across the most disparate fields, from the eugenics movement of the early decades of the century to the environmentalism of the later decades, not to mention the welfare state, socialism, communism, Keynesian economics, and medical, nuclear, and automotive safety. What all these highly disparate crusades have in common is their moral exaltation of the anointed above others who are to have their very different views nullified and superseded by the views of the anointed, imposed via the power of government. Despite the great variety of issues in a series of crusading movements among the intelligentsia during the 20th century, several key elements have been common to most of them. So I want you guys to listen to this. Assertions of great danger to the whole society, a danger to which the masses of people are oblivious. Like Y'all don't even see it. You know, yeah. This is the worst. This is going to be, if you don't vote for Joe Biden, okay, that whole thing. An urgent need for action to avert impending catastrophe. Mm. And then a, a need for government to drastically curtail the dangerous behavior of the many in response to the prescient conclusions of a few. And lastly, a disdainful dismissal of arguments to the contrary as either uninformed, irresponsible, or motivated by unworthy purposes. Yeah. So now you go back and you watch the DNC... And you go back and you listen to this and tell me if that's not exactly what you got. The world is on fire. Oh, yeah. Donald Trump is inept. He can't, he can't do it, won't do it, you know. But this urgent call for action means that we can't play by any rules. I mean, no, everything's no. on the table. Absolutely. We can defund police. We can get rid of ICE. We can do whatever we want to do because this is a major catastrophe in the making. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, this, this is what we're really listening to and, and hearing from them. And then a need for government to drastically curtail the dangerous behavior of the many. There you go. All you Trump supporters. I mean, look at you with your flags and your God and your guns and your, because y'all are dangerous. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, that is the most concise diagnosis of it all. And he always does that. And it's true. And, uh, that's the reason why we do this podcast, the reason why we do these, uh, have these conversations, because, you know, it, it's better to do it on camera, and it's better to do it to you than for us to do this in our own home to each other, because we'll just sit here and go on and on, <laughs> go on and on and on and on. But we, we're having these discussions because they're important. And moving forward, as we get close to the election in November, which we're, we're reaching that moment, we're in that final stretch. We are these discussions become more and more valuable to have because we need to know, we need to be clear-headed when we walk into the ballot box in November as to what we are doing. Because, you know, like you said, every time they, they use things like that, it's really just the use of fear. It is. That's the it. Use of, the use that of fear it. to influence human behavior. Absolutely. But it's always to influence human behavior to turn over a tremendous amount of authority you know it. to the government. You know it. <laughs> That's what they want. And I hope you don't want that because that would be disastrous for all of us. Thank you for tuning in to another podcast of Culture and Convictions. Please make sure that you do hit the subscribe button in the bottom left corner. We would love to hear from you. Also, subscribing allows you to get notifications upon further podcasts that are coming your way from us. Thank you once again for joining us. And until next time, God bless.